Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on the show is Aaron from CrossFit Albuquerque in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Of course. I'm excited to um, have you here and to learn more about what you have to offer at your CrossFit facility, which is exciting for me because I love talking CrossFit. So I'm in luck today. Um, Really, before we dive into the business stuff, which is what our listeners are here really to listen to, uh, what's the backstory here? Like, how did you become the business owner of CrossFit Albuquerque? Okay, well, so kind of just like you, uh, I used to manage a CrossFit facility, so I wasn't a sole owner or anything like that. And at one point, I just uh, I said, you know what, this is this is what I want to to do. I want to try something. I want to go out on my own and see if I can actually make it work. And so uh, it kind of fell in my lap. Somebody was was getting out of the business, which is a perfect time for me to get into it, and I was able to kind of buy an existing gym. Uh, took it over and came on in and then the rest is history so to speak but there's a lot of history in there I'd love to help I'd love to chat about it if you want to and we'll does that answer your question though kind of yeah yeah that's a good kind of backstory like you said sort of similar to mine and so this was about three years ago right that you took over CrossFit Albuquerque and so now of 2019 yeah okay so right before the world changed, <laughs> he exactly. took over this business. Um, and I'm sure that that has given you some unique challenges in itself. But um, for our listeners here, give us your elevator pitch of CrossFit Albuquerque. Tell us who you are, what services you have to provide. Paint a picture for us so that we really understand your business model as we kind of move forward in this business conversation. Well, we're, we're a group class uh, gym. You know, you come, you come to the gym basically to take classes with other people. That's our, that's our, our model. Um, but we also have that personal element where people can do their stuff on their own, open gym time or staying after class before, before coming before class, uh, personal training. So we kind of try, try to mix the CrossFit model with kind of some, a little bit of the Globo type gym feel too, where you can get personal training, you can stick around, do your own thing, um, but just help build community. Uh, we definitely really encourage like a family environment here, uh, maybe a little bit more so than some some CrossFit types gyms. Uh, that's kind of our element is we like to we like to focus on on family, on the kids, and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what we do here. I like it. Um, and I think what's cool is like all CrossFit gyms, like, yeah, we might offer the same kind of workout, but we're all unique in our own ways. Um, okay. So paint a picture for us of the space itself. Like how big is your box? So right now our facility is like just under 3000 square feet. Um, but our workout space is probably around, around, you know, 2,500. Okay. Okay. Um, so we have a small, we have a small non-workout area, which limits our community ability. Uh, and we'll talk about that soon is how we're going to improve that. Right. Um, but our workout space is about, about 2000 to 2,500, uh, square feet or so. And, um, we, we use that space kind of just like as a, as a big open space where we have spaces for people to work out in, um, anybody who's ever been to a CrossFit class before would understand exactly what, what that looks like. But, you know, you, you come in, you get your space, uh, warm up on your own. And then the coach takes you through the workout of the day. 
Yep. So um, with that, how many classes are you offering a day? We are doing, let's see, five, six, nine, noon. We have about eight classes a day, and then we have open gym hours as well, about four hours open gym time a day. Nice. So we're, we're pretty much open from 5 a.m. to like 8 p.m. with like a couple small little closure gaps in there, but there's a lot of opportunity for people to work out. Yeah, I like that you also offer the open gym, you know, being that you are in a city that people travel to, it's good yeah. to have the open gym um, hours because, you know, people can stop by and get a workout in really at their convenience if you're open for most of the yeah. day. Um, well, I mean, open gym's great, but when I, when I first started CrossFit in 2013, uh, I came from like a bodybuilding background. Yeah. And so I would go often go to a class and I would want to do like stuff, maybe like in addition, like maybe I want to hit some bench press or some other extras. And luckily for me, I was at a gym that was so big that they had like this, a massive amount of space for people to continue to work out uh, around the clock, essentially like during the class. And so um, at my last facility that I was managing, we didn't have that opportunity. So it was like, you have classes and then you, you could only work at an open gym, but now we have a big enough space where we'll have classes going and people can actually continue to do like some workouts off to the side and stay in the facility, even though there's a class going. So we try to, we have like specific open gym times, but we also allow people to still get like their own programming into uh, even during class times. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome that you kind of have the option there for people. Um, all right. So size wise, you know, how many members are you guys servicing right now? So we're right around that like 150, 150, okay. 160 Sweet. member mark. Yeah. So is that Aaron, like a place where you're feeling good, you're feeling comfortable, or are you guys looking to hit the gas, help more people, welcome more members into this space? We're always looking to grow. I think, um, you know, push it, it'd be great to get up to like a 200 member mark, um, you know, especially in, in the type of like, you know, community feel we have. I don't know what it looks like to go 250 or 300. You, you probably would have like a better idea of that because you've done that. Um, but like right now we, we were around like the hundred, 120 minute mark. Now we're in like one fifties and it's feeling, it's feeling like a lot more lively, a lot more vibrant. They're starting, you're starting to see new uh, elements of like interactions happening. And I'm, I'm like, I'm enjoying it as far as revenue. It's really helpful, you know, when you're kind yeah. of at that mark, because you're, you're not only making the, the, the budget every month, but you're making the budget and then some. And so that's, that's always nice because you can not only invest it back into the business. Um, you can also, as an owner, be more comfortable and, and not, and, and, and feel like you can step away from the business and not like you have to be there all the time. So, uh, there's a lot of good things about it for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. That's huge. Um, right. Uh, you know, the more people that we can help, the more our, the more like, flexibility we have as a business owner to make this, uh, more decisions, more offerings, offer better things for our community. It's exciting. Um, and I think that like, as you, your memberships grow too, like things just evolve, like naturally you'll be like, oh, like we're kind of getting a little bit tight. Let's open up another class time. And you'll just like, no, right. Um, like I never imagined that we'd be at 350 members, but here we are and things are good. And I would love to grow even more. Right. Um, and you'll, I feel like you have that similar mindset where it's just like, okay, we're at 150 right now. We feel really good, but like, why not more? Um, I just asked, what was your, what was the main thing you did to go from 150 to 300? Like, yeah, good, good question. Good question. Yeah. And that's kind of something that I wanted to touch on here on the show is the idea of like, what are we doing to like find new clients? And I think for 99% of people in this industry, that's the hardest part is how do we actually get new faces in the front door of our facility? 
for us, we tried literally everything, right? We got a billboard, uh, thought that that would be a good game changer for us, didn't work. Um, we ran referral programs where we would like give away free Yeti cooler or something, thought that that was going to be the thing that got us a bunch of new members, didn't really work out. Um, we got those little picket signs that people use for the presidency election that said CrossFit with our phone number. Those worked a little bit, but again, it wasn't like steady growth. Um, for us, the biggest thing was like when we really built a presence on social media and started advertising on social media, yeah. using paid ads on Instagram and Facebook, that was the biggest thing where we started to get a steady flow of clients coming in. Like yeah. it was steady. It wasn't just like hit or miss, abs and flows. It was constant. So talk to me about your what you guys are doing. Yeah, so we do we do an in-house referral program. You, If somebody refers a, a friend, they're going to get um, a free month. So we, and that, that actually has been somewhat successful, but not nearly as, as like you said, it's not, you'd think people would go for that kind of thing, but it's not as, it's not as successful as you, as you really want it to be. Um, there's obviously word of mouth and, uh, things like that, but what I've, what has been most successful for us is just, we have a really good search engine optimization. So we, whenever people come to town, like we get all the drop-ins. So that helps with like the drop-in because you know, the name CrossFit Albuquerque, it just kind of draws them. Um, but also when people are just searching for a new gym in town, like CrossFit, and they put, we're going to be the top one that they see just because of that. So that's helped. But I'm looking at doing the social media advertising because I really also agree that that's kind of like the best way. I mean, most of the new clients that we do get come from like they send a DM to us on Instagram. And then I just, you know, communicate from there and we draw them in. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's that's the next phase. Yeah, no, for sure. I think like what's good about what you're currently doing is the people that are looking for you are going to find you. So people that are looking for a CrossFit gym most definitely are going to be able to find you and um, there's no problem there. But now it's just a matter of like, hey, how are we reaching that client that doesn't even know that we exist? Or maybe they know that we exist, but has this like mindset that like, ah, CrossFit is something that will never work for me, right? Uh, how do we find that client? Because usually those clients are the ones that like, we can change their lives the most. Um, exactly. It's a matter of like getting it. Right? Yeah. Like I didn't know about CrossFit, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For me, like, I think I was, I had, I was a competitive um, cheerleader growing up and I had always been a part of a team, did track and field, blah, 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 blah. And then I become an adult and I was struggling to find my place in the fitness industry. And I had this mind, like in my mind, I thought of CrossFit as like what you see on TV with people with like massive weights and like they're throwing them over their head. And I was like, oh, well, I could never do that. Like I've never touched a weight in my life. But it took me like seeing an ad of like a new mom, like myself working out, at a CrossFit gym, having fun with a smile on her face to get me to go in the front door and try it. And that's how I got started. So I try to always relate like, okay, well, if this is how I got started, there's probably somebody out there with a similar story who just didn't think that this was attainable for them. Got it. Um, that's smart. Yeah. And because so- the Most of our clients, right? They're the they're yep. the 99%. They're not the 1% yep. like you're talking about in the CrossFit games. Yeah. And that's what we see. And I always tell people like, you'll come into the gym and you'll be working out with an 18 year old, but you're also going to have, you know, a 65 year old 
new grandmother in your class, right? It's a little bit of everything. And that's what makes, you know, it so fun. And with social media, we are able to reach those people. We can reach anybody and show them, hey, like this is something that you can do. If I can do it, you can do it. Um, and that's what's so beautiful about social media advertising is we can really target and reach those people. Uh, so on an average month, how many new clients have you guys been welcoming in? Because you said you've had a good kind of couple months. So I'd like to hear that. Yeah, so it seemed, uh, I would say it's been at least five to seven new members the last couple of months, every month. Oh. Awesome. Yeah. So the last three months we've, we've, we've added about 15, 15 to 20 new clients. So and, and my, my philosophy has always been like, you should, you should work on retaining the people you have. Right. But I also know that, it, you know, from a business standpoint, if, if that's all you ever do and you never try to bring in new, then eventually you will fall off. Right. 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 Move or whatever, or have financial issues or something. So you always have to kind of be being, keep bringing people in. But I mean, if as like a smaller gym, like we are, you know, if you bring five new people in a month for a year, that's 60 new members, right. In a year. Yeah. And that, and that adds up quite a bit. Yeah. So, um, most yeah, of the, yeah. the issue though, was like, you know, the pandemic, you know, we live in New Mexico. It's a, it's a much more, it's a lot strict, more strict state than a lot of the states, I think probably more than Florida, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We opened in May of 2020, which makes so, my story a lot different than yours, right? So, so making like these, like all kinds of Instagram ads and stuff like that wasn't really even a possibility because it was like, no one's going to come into your facility, you know, we're, you know, we're mask facilities and, and all kinds of things like that. So that navigation of the pandemic alone was kind of like, uh, Hey, we have all this energy and steam. Let's go. No, you're going to have to wait a couple of years. So it's been two years of kind of just holding on for dear life and trying to, to really like, you know, still grow and, and build like that strong uh, community underneath, but like without kind of saying, Hey, we better let's run all these ads that we're not going to be able to fulfill. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point that you kind of mentioned there. Like, yeah, we want to focus on getting new members, but it's also important that we focus on our current members and we're providing them with the most value so that they want to stick around. They want to stay with us for a long time. Um, if we're not providing enough value for our current members, like it doesn't matter if we're getting any new members because if we're losing members, it just evens out. And it's like, oh, we never really actually grew. Um, my next question to you here, Erin, just so that we don't run out of time, I want to make sure we can discuss kind of several topics here is like, when you look at your business model and, and the things that you're doing right now, what would you consider to be the biggest business related challenge that you're like having to overcome? Currently, uh, so our lease is running up uh, in the next few months. So we have three months and our lease is not being renewed. So we kind of just got like th that thrown upon us. And so finding a new facility and believe it or not, it's not easy to find a new CrossFit facility anymore. I mean, the market is so competitive and the inventory on commercial properties is very low, actually, specific, especially here in, in Albuquerque. So um, I've just been looking around for facilities. I finally found one and um, we, we put a letter of, of intent in for the lease and everything. So we're, that, that will soon be signed. And so hopefully we'll, we'll be having a new facility. So that's going to, that's like the most pressing challenge, honestly, for me as a business owner, because we're going to be relocating here in the next three months. Yeah. So uh, like distance wise, is it super far from where you guys are right now? Like, is it still relatively close? So obviously whenever you have something like that put upon you, you have to look at like, what do we do? Do we go find something outside of our, of our, 
population of like members. So I basically took all of our members and I said, where are they located? And, and I figured out what's the best location. And so we're about a mile and a half away from where we're at right now. Not bad. That's pretty yeah. decent. Um, and your members will still travel. Obviously, if you've provided them with an awesome service, like that's the mile and a half is not going to be the, the reason why they don't come to the gym anymore. Exactly. Um, so that's really, really smart. And with the new facility that opens up, you know, a world of opportunities business wise, because it's a bigger space. So yeah, um, for sure. So talk to me about like what that, what the future looks like within the new space. What are some of the goals that you have for that new space and the things that you're looking to do with it? So still, it's still, some of it's still to be determined, but you know, there's now a space that's for workout currently right now we have like a little tiny lobby and then we have our workout space. So it's really just two spaces. Now what we'll have is we'll have a workout space. We'll have a personal training uh, actual space where kids can work out or there can be personal training going on, stuff like that. And then there's an actual community space where people can have coffee and hang out and kind of just um, have some community elements as well as a business center lobby and even a, a childcare room with and of course bathrooms, but, um, so it's just a huge step up. It's like, we've gone from being like, kind of like work out and leave to now people can maybe come and, and be in the facility beforehand and after workouts. And maybe we can run events and things like that too. Cause we're going to be, um, hopefully right next to a, um, like a cheerleading facility. So speaking of cheerleaders, you're a former oh, cheerleader. Cool. Right? That sounds like the ideal place. I would, I would love that. I've always thought I've always thought about that. Like, what about, what if one day I opened up like a combo, <laughs> a combo cheer slash CrossFit? That's yeah. funny. That you said that. Well, I'm sure we'll grab some of their clients and, and vice versa. And right. I think even like two facilities next to each other, if we wanted to run an event or something like, yeah. Hey, let's combo this event together. Um, I'll rate your facility from you or something like that. You know, there's, there's so many opportunities right there. Just having a, another fitness partnerships. That's not a comp competitor, right? right? Next to you. Yeah like an ally yeah that you guys can kind of just pair together and like yeah. um, build build one another up rather than tear tear the other down um yeah. that's awesome is personal training a part of what you guys have to offer now already or it is it is already we so already when we bring a new a new client in who's a beginner beginner they automatically kind of have to do personal training we give them we, we have them do like a four session on-ramp and that that's that's it's a fee-based um intro but that's so that's like a basic personal training that we have no matter what but then we also have like personal training that's for uh just like outside of outside of on-ramps and yes we do have i have uh two to three trainers that do a lot of personal training including myself i do some personal training as well well that's where i started was personal training yeah. i mean i think that's one of the biggest revenue builders that you can actually add to your facility and so that's something that we've seen like as far as revenue go up is i brought in a, a new a new coach um not too long ago and he actually just brought in clients with him and not only is he coaching but he brought in personal training clients yeah. and you know obviously you work out a percentage with the person and that's individually based but um just as a business owner you know you're usually you're letting them use your facility and you're just taking a little bit off the top and and it's it's a great way to build revenue and also it also helps your you satisfy your employee right because you have this employee who's 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 getting a good wage now finally right yeah and in this industry you know employee churn is usually pretty high so the more opportunity that yeah. we can provide for our employees for our coaches to feel like they have opportunity to grow 
the longer they're going to stay with us, the better our business is in the long run. Um, but I love PT and I think there's so many CrossFit gyms out there that are not really like utilizing it to like what it could be, right? Um, there's always yeah. going to be clients with specific goals. We're always going to have, you know, so-and-so that's getting ready for their wedding and they want to lose that pesky five pounds. <laughs> or we're always going to have, you know, the parent that wants their kid to get ready for the soccer season. And like, what's the perfect thing to help people with those goals? Personal training, because it's more specific. They're going to have a program that's going to help them get to where they want to go versus yeah. CrossFit class might help them with that goal, but it's going to take a little bit longer because it's not specific for them. So I love PT. And then obviously for the business, it's pretty nice to have that additional revenue coming in. Well, you know what I did? I used to work for like an actual, like kind of like a community fitness center. And one of the biggest revenue uh, sources that they had there was like fitness classes. So like in addition to, so you'd buy a gym membership and you could work out. Then there was all these classes offered and they were paid classes. Right. And so uh, we actually did something like that this year. We did like, it's called summer shred. And so we had like 60 people from the gym who are already paying memberships uh, pay an additional like 65 bucks to be in this little shred program, which was really simple. Like, you know, I basically each week put together like a little topic for them. They, uh, we did a pre and post test on them and I gave away, um, $850 cash too. That helps. But, you know, yeah. I'm all, I'm really big into prizes. I think like you should kind of like reward people and kind of encourage that and stuff. But, but I mean, if you're making some revenue and give it back a little bit, yeah. um, it's, but it's, it's, a, it's, I think revenue, like in those instances are like the lost component. Like you don't have to just have like 300 members in the gym to be successful. You can have like 150, but have like personal training going on and, and rent your space out and do other kind of events. And that helps as well. Right. Growth doesn't always have to mean more members. Like, of course, for some people, like they have the space for it makes sense. But growth can also mean like, hey, let's add this service. Let's add this service. Mm -hmm. Let's do this on the side. Um, and I think that those are all things that, again, they're going to provide more value for our members, which makes our members happy and helps them stick around. And it's just like a full circle thing. Um, and I really, really like that. So I want to end on this note here. I want to give you a chance. What word of advice, Aaron, would you share with somebody who is fairly new stepping into gym ownership? Okay. Um get a, get somebody to do your books for you. Okay. That'd be a really, really good piece of advice. You, you don't want to be, you don't want to be lost financially. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the quickest way to go out of business is to not know how much money you're bringing in and how much money you're, you have going out. That's like the first thing I could say is just get somebody to make sure that you know exactly how much money you're bringing in and out. And then don't, sp don't spend more than you make. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds really, really like simple, but like, that's the key to business is like, you, you actually, you have to, you have to have to cut, cut the costs and increase the revenue in order to make sure that you're making a profit. Like even just an easy, an easy thing to think about is um, just a drop in a lot of times, like for a long time, CrossFit gyms just said, okay, buy a shirt or do it or, or pay a drop in fee. Well, you're, you're losing all that revenue that you spent on the shirt, right? And you're not making any money when you could just say, here, we don't do that anymore. We do a drop in and then, yeah, you can buy a shirt in addition, like that little bit of extra revenue, like people are happy to support anyway. Um, that's one, that's one thing, but I would just, yeah, I would really just say, know how much your, how much your, your outco is every month and how much you can bring in. Um, otherwise you will eventually fail. 
Yeah, I think it's important to have somebody to help you with your finances. And I think it's good to recognize too that like I'm not an expert at every single piece of my business. And the numbers thing is something that like I probably can't do as good as somebody else. So I'm going to give this off to them. So that way I can control my finances a little bit better and know how much I'm profiting in this gym every single month. Well, um, I mean, I say get somebody to do it for you because partly like what you said is it's like, you can do all the jobs. I'm sure everybody who owns a gym or does runs a business can pretty much do all the jobs, right? You pretty much can. But if you're doing all of them, then you can't really focus on the business. Right. So no, exactly. This is the place where you can, you can step away. You can hire enough coaches to coach most of the classes so that then you can focus on doing a podcast with gym lords, right? Or, yeah. um, <laughs> or thinking about getting a facility or, or your next portion or, or who knows planning an event but you can't do all those things when you're coaching all the classes yeah no that's a really really good point um save so- money right? if you save money by coaching all the classes mm-hmm. definitely like I could increase my revenue big time but then my staff is not wanting to stinger stick around right because they're not getting paid enough because they don't have enough hours so it's just a it's a it's we could go all day I know talking about all the different things <laughs> yeah no absolutely and I'm glad that you shared that and um, that's that's a piece of advice that I haven't really heard too frequently on the show so um thanks for sharing what what's the Instagram or the Facebook or, or even the website where can our listeners go if they're interested in learning more about your facility okay so CrossFit ABQ is the Instagram uh, username so CrossFit ABQ and then our website's CrossFitAlbuquerque.com uh, my contacts on there and I'm, I'm open to emails and messages and stuff. I'd love to answer any questions and help out any way I can. So, uh, oh. and we, and if you're ever in Albuquerque, drop in, we'd love to have you. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Aaron, for sharing your insight listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget if you want to stay notified about future episodes, please hit like and subscribe. And if you want to join us for an episode here at the gym Lords podcast, fill out the link in the description. We'll be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Leo from ATC Fitness in Hudson, Massachusetts. What's up, Leo? How are you today? Hi, how are you? Doing Thanks for well. having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. All right. So let's jump right into the details here. How did you get involved in the fitness industry? What is it that made you want to own your own gym? What is the backstory there? Sure, sure. So, um, well, in high school, like maybe a lot of um, boys, but certainly now girls, uh, I sort of fell in love with lifting. Um, but that was way back in 1995. And at that time, um, I would say the space that I exist in now that, you know, didn't exist. There was sort of two options. You know, you could be like strength condition coach at the Boston Red Sox, of which there weren't many, or, you know, you could be a trainer at a big box gym and neither one of those necessarily appealed to me. So I, I did not originally go to school for that. Um, so I went into a different field, but um, I would say 
in when I was about 21 or 22, I was, I was diagnosed with this um, genetic heart condition called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, HCM for short. Um, and that sort of changed my relationship with fitness myself. Um, but it was also sort of an impetus to, I, I mean, I always use the same analogy, but I'm like, you know, if, if, you, if you are at a restaurant, you have a really good dish, like your first instinct is to say to somebody, oh my God, try this. And that's what strength conditioning was like to me. I knew how powerful it was for me and it changed my life. And so, um, so it just sort of started as I was training friends and, you know, clients in my garage or whatever, and, um, sort of condensing a lot in here, but, uh, I don't know. I think I spent eight or 10 years in the corporate, uh, world and realized that wasn't for me. And really the only other thing that I, that I knew how to do was in this field. So I left the corporate world and, I, um, well, found myself in this. So I'm skipping sort of a lot of steps, but, um, but ultimately, uh, you know, funded with a, with a little bit of my earnings from corporate, but, um, so that was in 2011 ish. Um, okay. yeah. So. Awesome. Um, okay. And is it the heart condition for you that really like made you get into fitness again or was it just kind of no it was it was more just if I couldn't be involved in fitness to the to the dimension that I wanted to with my own heart condition I thought maybe the next best thing would be to help others do, do it on their end you know got you um, yeah so it was, you know, it was symbiotic in a certain sense. You know what I mean? I could help people and in a sense I could help myself and they could help me at the same time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I ask because I also have a heart condition. Oh. Um, <laughs> so every time somebody says something about heart condition, I'm like, oh, I can relate. What um, do you have? I have pulmonary stenosis. Okay. Um so it doesn't, it's funny when, when I talk about, I was born with it. So it's not something that I know anything. I, I don't know anything different. Right. So it's like, I've seen a cardiologist since I was born to this day, you know? Um, but they always ask, like, do you feel weird when you work out? Or like, do you feel short of breath or do you, you know, all these questions. And I'm like, well, I mean, doesn't everybody like, I don't know. <laughs> no basis of comparison. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know the difference. So, um, but yeah, I, I ask because a lot of times those things kind of spark even more of an interest in health and, you know, exercise and staying healthy and sharing that with other people. So, um, yeah. definitely understand that aspect of things as well. Now, what does your business model look like within your facility? How do you structure things? Are you doing group classes, semi-privates, one-on-ones? Kind of walk us through that. Sure, sure. So I have um, a couple different revenue models, but one of them is predominant. Um, so uh, I have a few clients that are one-on-one and, and that's great. Um, but I don't have a lot of time for that given the uh, you know, time demands of the, the other part of the business, which I'll talk about in a second, but, but I have that one-on-one, um, but really 90% of my revenue or probably North of that is semi-private, right? So I define that probably the way most people do is, um, it's not like a CrossFit workout of the day. It's not group training. You are training in a group, right? But you're doing something somewhat specific to a number of inputs that I gather in an evaluation process. Um, okay. so there might be six or eight people, out there training at the same time, you know, and of course they're all probably going to squat at some point, but the, um, 
you know, the volume and the intensity with which they do their squats might differ from, from their, you know, from their friend that they're training next to. Um, so there's that, and that's, that's most of my business. Then I have some people who say, Hey, listen, um, I don't necessarily need your, so, so for, with those people, I'm not only programming, but I'm coaching. So it's live coaching and live programming. Right. Uh, then I have a couple of people who will say, Hey, I don't necessarily need your coaching because I've, you know, I've got the lift dialed in but I would like to know what you think I should do, right? And I call that tier two. So those people use the gym outside of my coaching hours and they're doing a program that I've developed for them. And then there's um, another part of the business, which people are just like, hey man, your gym's really cool. It's got some equipment that, you know, your average big box gym doesn't have. I'd like to train there. And I'm like, sure, you may do that as well. Again, they train outside of the normal coaching hours. So my four big models of revenue, if you will. Um, but one of them is enormous compared to the other three. So, right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So your, uh, group training is almost like personal training, but within a group setting, it's more tailored to. Yep. Yep. Um, absolutely. And I'm, I mean, it's, it's brilliant. I didn't come up with it. Right. I stole it. Right. But I mean, it's brilliant because it allows you to give somebody a fairly tailored experience, but without the, the heavy costs of one-on-one training, because exactly, one-on-one training yeah. is very expensive, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so, I mean, I, I think it's brilliant. Um, who, I don't know who invented it, but, you know, I know it was popular early on with Mike Boyle and Alan Cosgrove and even Eric Cressy, who's sort of right down the street from us there. Um, so yes, that's, that's the model. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely makes people feel more comfortable too, because it can be kind of intimidating, you know, in a one-on-one setting and a little bit uncomfortable. So if you have other people there with you, it's also more motivating, right? Other people around you working hard and it is for sure. I always say, you know, we don't have a leaderboard or anything like that, but you know, but if you do see the person next to you busting real hard, it's it, you know, there's a little bit of an impetus to maybe work a little bit harder. So um, you're not competing, but you're not competing against that person because you're doing something a little bit different, right? Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. Love that. So now the golden question always on the podcast is how are you acquiring new clients? How are you getting the word out there about what it is that you do? What does marketing look like? How are you drawing in new faces to the gym? Sure. Well, this is the question you don't want to ask me. I have no good answer here. So I spend virtually zero dollars on marketing. Um, I have a website and that is it. Um, originally, most of my business was just word of mouth, you know? Um, so it's sort of decision tree, like sort of factorial doubt. Um, you know, one person tells two people and two people tell two people. Um, and that was how I grew for a long time. I, I would say in 2017-ish, the, um, the building that I'm in, which is a large mill building, was, was purchased by a new landlord and they... Um, have dumped a lot of money into this building and sort of brought in a lot of new businesses. And since that has happened, there's definitely been an increase. Um, but in something that I think I'm really fortunate to be able to say, I, I've, I've never had to actively really search for clients. Um, you know, the business at this point is almost 12 years old, so it's somewhat mature, you know. Um, so, I mean, we there's an awning outside, you know, my side door that people will drive by and, um you know, and if people are walking through the building, they, you know, there might be some foot traffic, but, mm-hmm. uh, but aside from sort of, um, you know, my business page on Google maps and a website, I'm not really doing anything to garner new clients, um, which I understand is a totally underwhelming answer, but it's the honest one. <laughs> no, that's okay. I mean, Hey, if it's working for you, that's fantastic. The other question I guess there is that 
you know, is that something you have considered or you would do to be able to help more people or do do you have room in your facility to add more people, I guess, is another side of that. Well, yes. So, I mean, um, possibly. I never, you know, as I said, this is sort of a second career for me. In my first career, I managed some people. I don't think I ever set out to manage people here. So, I mean, you know, the obvious answer is somebody will say, well, why not just hire somebody? And, and um, I'm, I'm just not sure that's where I want to go with this. Um, so I never really, I never really went through a period where growth was so little that I sort of panicked and considered it. Um, and as of late, um, I, I'm almost, I mean, I'm not turning people away or anything, but I, but I'm intensely busy at the moment. So there's just, I, I haven't even thought about it cause I haven't needed to think about it. Mm-hmm. That makes any sense. Yeah. Okay. And are, so are you the only trainer or do you have yeah. people helping you? Okay. No, no, I'm, I'm the only trainer. I sort of keep track of it. I mean, it's so, it's such a weird business model because, you know, I use, um, you know, a billing software, right. But I don't use a calendar app. I don't have people sign up for classes. Most everything is kept track in my head. Um, you know, certain patterns here and there. Um, I mean, I, you know, I have, I have a calendar app, um, you know, on my, my personal side. Um, but that's about it. Um, so it's just me. It's always been just me. Um, and as people come in, we just look at the cap, you know, look at the schedule and say, okay, you know, where, where can you fit in or what works for you or what doesn't work for you? And, um, I, I mean, you know what, I, I do have an admittedly weird schedule and some people said, like, oh, well, you know, do you think you'd grow faster if you didn't? But through this point, I, you know, in the, so in every evaluation, I sort of slide this calendar over to the client. And I say, you know, see if you can fit in here. And I don't think I've ever had anybody say like, oh no, I absolutely can't work with that. So again, uh, to use the same word that I've used a couple of times, it's not a huge impetus to change things right now. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And so as far as the future goes, looking into the future, are you planning on eventually selling the business or are you eventually, what's your, what's yeah. your goal down the road? So um, I knew this question was coming and I, and, and it's, it's another one that I don't have a great answer for um, <laughs> right now. It's just sort of treading water status quo in, in a certain sense. Right. I like where things are at. Things are busier than sort of they've ever been. Um, I enjoy the way the model is progressing, um, you know, but I'm going to be half a 90 this year. Believe it or not, I'm going to be 45 this year. And like, is this something that I want to do for 20 years? Probably not. Right. Um, but, but I don't know, you know? Um, so I would consider at some point, you know, selling the business or I, I don't know, may, maybe there is an opportunity to maintain the business myself, but hire a bunch of people to, to do it. Um, I, um, I, I don't know. And, and I think, I think if things weren't so, um, busy right now, I, I think I would probably give more thought to it, but you know, sort of right now, um, you know, it's that sort of old cliche saying, right. Like that, you know, being too busy is an amazing problem to have, but it's still a little bit of a problem and it occupies most of my, most of my deep thinking <laughs> is how to, how to make it a little bit more efficient or right. how to change things and, and continue to scale it because, you know, the business scales in, in a somewhat of a linear sense. So there is a certain threshold where, it, it, it will not scale further, you know? And so I, I don't know how to make that more convex, but, um, but I'll think about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that tends to happen often. And that's why I ask, you know, if eventually you are planning to 
sell the business or or what you're looking to do with it because it happens so often that gym owners are so involved in the business that they can never step out of the business and when they step out of the business things tend to go down very quickly you know and it's it's not a bad thing until it is you know it's like it's it's fine on the day-to-day because you're there this is what you do this is your job you know but then it's like if you do want to step back it makes it very challenging to do so um for, for so, sure. And, and it's something that I, that I think is incredibly risky when people talk about hiring somebody. And, and I say, I've worked so hard to have the atmosphere that exists at this gym. You know, I mean, I have a really good relationship with a lot of my clients. I'm really, really good friends with a lot of my clients. And I'm, I'm not saying it couldn't be successful with other people. I'm just not sure how. And, I'm, and to your point, I'm just very sensitive that you know, if, if things go south, sometimes they can go south very quickly, you know, and yes. you know, I, like the old, like, you know, if, if you, if you go on Amazon and you read product reviews, it's like you basically ignore all the great ones and you look at the bad ones, you know, and, 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 and one or two bad ones can offset a whole host of good ones. So I'm very, very sensitive to changing the dynamics to so much that, that, that something undesirable comes out of it, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where a lot of times having system some type of systems in place repeatable systems right in place for every area of the business which can be a little bit challenging especially in the beginning to get into place obviously this is not the beginning for you you've been around for a while now um but you know when we talk about adding somebody else in and not throwing off the whole ecosystem essentially of the facility um with having a lack of systems makes that very challenging. And a lot of gym owners find themselves in that position when they do want to step back. I mean, I talk to plenty of gym owners, their names on the door, right? And it's like their names on the door, people come in looking for them and then they can never leave, right? It's like your handcuffs, the golden handcuffs. Um, So it can be extremely challenging, but you know, if, if this is something you're loving to do, this is something that you're not really sure what you want to do with it in, in the future, then, Hey, you know, yeah, I've, I've a, I have a good physical therapist friend down the street and, and we, were, we were just talking about that and he was talking about the systems he put in place and, you know, he too was nervous. So he's like, you know, I basically created scripts for brand new people. Like it's listen, please don't, <laughs> please don't stray from the script in a sense, you know? Yeah. And, and that was helpful to think about. And, and like I said, I mean, it's probably something that I, that I do need to revisit and I probably cannot wait to revisit it until I strictly need to revisit it. Um, but again, right, the thought of changing something right now is, is a little bit is a little bit terrifying. Yeah, right. No, I, I completely get it. I mean, any any type of change within the business is a little bit uncomfortable. So definitely understand that. But yeah, just uh, future pacing a little bit there. Uh, now, kind of along those same lines, I always like to ask about bottlenecks within the business or key challenges. So what are either some bottlenecks that you're facing or some key challenges, some things that kind of stay top of mind for you. Sure. Well, the biggest problem. So, I mean, aside from just sort of, as I mentioned, you know, the the linear scaling problem um, in which you have a, you know, a theoretical threshold where, where it's going to be very hard to to go above that. So, so that is there, but philosophically, I I think the biggest thing that I've always struggled with, with owning my own business was, So, I mean, I made good money in corporate finance, right? And when I left that career, it was never my intention to 
sort of replace that type of salary in, in, in this, in this career. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think when I first started out, I, I think in my head, I was like, well, you can just, you know, just sort of float along. Like once you make enough money, you'll be happy making enough money. But when somebody's going to open up a gym, the first thing I tell them is that is almost impossible to do. You, you almost have to always keep your foot on the accelerator to, you know, to be available to grow more, to, you know, to, to take on more. So, so even if, even if I'm at a level where I'm like, oh, this is infinitely sustainable, this, this, you know, sustains my lifestyle, sustains my family, right? Like we have enough money to retire, whatever. I have found that when you take your foot off the accelerator um, and stop thinking about how can I improve this process for my clients or, or how could I assimilate somebody new? Um, I think bad things happen, you know? Um, so I think philosophically, that's the biggest thing that I struggle with is understanding that, well, listen, I just told you, I don't, I do, you know, I don't do any of these things to grow, but I always need to grow. Right. I can't just be happy with, with, with the level I'm, I'm at now. And, and, and that, that's challenging. It's, it's philosophically challenging. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is because there's like no light at the end of the tunnel, right? right. Because it's always like, you just have to keep going, 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 going. Um, so that can be challenging mentally to kind of stay the course always right um but on the flip side of that so as far as retaining clients goes what does that typically look like for you i mean industry average is three to six months right which is not a long time and that's why typically we have to stay acquiring clients because if we're going to grow at all we need to make sure obviously the amount of people coming in is larger than the amount of people leaving on the back end um So what has, what has your experience with retaining clients been well, like? Sure, sure. So, so my retention rate is, is, is significantly longer than that, probably three or four times, honestly. Um, and I have a number of clients that have been with me for five, six, seven. I, I mean, I have, a, I have a client that's been with me literally since I opened. Um, you know, they have these like little cliche sayings or heuristics, you know, you need to um, generate new leads, convert new leads and retain new leads. And I always used to say, oh, I, I mean, I do a really, really great job of converting and retaining. But as I mentioned, I, because I never really did much marketing, I, I never really generated any. Um, but I think, I think the retention is, is mainly about, about the model that I've established, which, and, and I know we're not necessarily getting into that today, but I try to make a personal connection with, with each and every person, with, with every client that trains here. Um, I'm, I'm trying so hard to meet them where they're at and consider where they want to be or where I want them to be. Um, you know, and, and I think it's, it's sort of like a safe space here. You, you know what I mean? Like we don't, I mean, there, there are things like we don't have mirrors. So for people who have struggled with body image or eating disorders, that's like a huge thing to them. Right. Um, we don't have a leaderboard. Like I said, we're not competing against each other. Um, you know, so, so in a certain sense, this is, you know, this is not a big box gym and it's not, it's not a box and it's somewhere in between where, where I think people just feel really comfortable to be here. So the retention in itself took care of itself. And I, and I think all I ever set out to do was just create an atmosphere where I would want to train, you know? And so I'm pretty introverted as a rule. So, you know, for me, uh, to be able to come here and, you know, nod to a couple people and maybe have a short conversation, but then do my thing 
mm-hmm. uh, was really important to me. And and to that to that end, that you know, that's how I describe it. And that's how, and when people say, "What do they love about here?" It's that you know, there's we don't foster like a community. We don't have huge parties. We don't dress alike. Um, it it's just you know everybody sort of comes comes and and does their own thing and 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 again that's facilitated by the idea that that's what the model is anyway you know mm-hmm. um so i don't know does that answer that question at all in, in any yeah. way yeah absolutely i mean uh, retention is a, a really important thing that i think a lot of people tend to overlook a lot of the time you know it's like get the people in the door and then they stay for again like three to six months and then they're leaving and then we can't acquire enough people on the front end to be able to make up for the ones that we lost and people tend to stay stagnant right so if we can maintain as many of those memberships as possible but then also build on the front end then you know that's where the growth tends to happen it's much cheaper to keep a client than it is to acquire a new one so once they're in it's like what level of service are we providing are we providing other streams of revenue other products or services for the clients to purchase that want them within the within the facility to provide that higher level of service that added value which tends to get clients better results and in turn, they stick around longer. Um, so that's kind of where, where I'm focusing on with that. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I, I joke. So I just, um, I just got a delivery of shirts. Um, so in 12 years, this is the third run of shirts that, I, that I've done. I, so, I mean, again, it's God, I, in a sense, I, I almost want to say this that I'm, that I'm successful in spite of myself because I, I would not say somebody should copy this model, but but I, so I don't have upsells. I don't have other sort of, you know, revenue generating. I don't have passive streams or anything like that, but I do really try to create a personal connection with, with each and every client. You know I mean? It's, it's rare that I don't understand something about their family or, or something that they've been through or something that they're dealing with or, or some sort of image that image problem that they have. Um, you know, and, and I try to make myself available as much as much as I can. Of course, you know, so, sometimes like, hey, this, this is a terrible time for this conversation, but, you know, let's, let's make, a, let's make some time. And, um, you know, I, I think early on, um, you know, so as, as I alluded to, uh, you know, Cressy Performance is right down the street and I have a great relationship with them. And I, and at one point I trained with Eric, but I was nervous when I first came to the same town, because I'm like, oh, what, you know, well, why would somebody train here if that awesome gym is is down the street? And I said that to a client once early, early on, and she said, "Well, I just really like you as a person, and I and I feel like you take a really high interest." And and you know that that sort of stuck with me for for a long time. And and it's what I try to do with every client. It's like, okay, you know, can can I be a friendly person, right? Can can I be a person that they want to see? Um, I mean, I'm asking a lot of these people to do things that are not that they're not really organically wanting to do um and so in order to do that you you really do have to have some sort of connection with them you know mm-hmm. absolutely yeah trust I, is I, huge yeah and I, I know that's so much more abstract than what you're talking about but that's that's the best i think that's the best answer i could say honestly yeah and i mean uh referring to it, you know when you were nervous moving into the area with the other gyms in the area right. That's something that's important to keep in mind is that there are so many people that need health and fitness and uh, need gyms, you know, and your gym isn't for everybody. 
right? And right. the gym down the street isn't for everybody. Yep. And the gym next to them isn't for everybody, right? So it takes all different types of gyms and right. offerings and services and, you know, but there are plenty of people. That's the important thing. There are plenty well, of people no, that- sure. there's, there's so many people. And, and I think, you know, I used to say something similar when, when, when I would talk about that retention rate. And I would say, listen, one of the reasons word of mouth works so well is because it's very rare that a client walks in asking about this without some sense of what happens here. I mean, because their friend has told them about it or, or, or whatever, you know, it happens a lot more now because my gen my website does generate a decent amount of hits, but even still, I, you know, I've, I've tried to be descriptive on my website. I try to give, you know, a sense. Um, I try to have people leave testimonials on, on Google to, to give people an idea. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I mean, to, to, to some degree, it, it is, you know, the, the word of mouth works so well for that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it it does um, in a lot of ways. The only thing that I personally don't like about it is that it's not trackable or right. reliable. Sure. Right? So it's like, if you're really looking to scale, which it doesn't really seem like you are, right. um, but if you are really looking to scale, word of mouth only really gets you so far because again, you can't rely on it on a monthly basis, right? It's like, it kind of ebbs and flows. Um, yeah, it, it does. Uh, um, yeah. And, and that's, but like I said, it's, it's, it's just so weird because I've never done like, never done bring a friend or I've never done, I, I mean, I, I, I joke that like I'm a libertarian strength coach where, I mean, even in the eval, I tell people like, listen, train here. Or don't, I totally want you to train here. It would be great. We just had a great one hour, but I am not going to follow up with multiple phone calls. I'm not going to follow up with texts. You'll never, you'll probably never hear from me saying, Hey, where are you? Right? Like, I really hope you come back and I, and I, and I think you'd have a great experience if you do. And I don't say that if I don't mean it. Yeah. I mean, if, if we're not a great fit, I, I don't say that. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, but I'm just sort of a very hands-off when it comes to that. Like, you, you know, and, and I think again, maybe that has meant my growth has been a little bit slower at times, but the conversion and the retention rates are always ridiculous, right? I, I think I've had exactly one person in 12 years go through the eval and not sign up. I'm not kidding. I think one person, at, at least every other single person has signed up for some period of time, some longer than others, but it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's one person. You should, you should package that and sell it. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how. I don't know. I mean, what? I, I mean, I find myself underwhelming. I, you know, I just got false modesty. I'm like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think there's a certain amount of honesty in, in my evaluation process. You know, and I think, I think the person that ends up here reaches out probably appreciates that. And to your point, I'm sure there's a whole population of clients for that, which that doesn't resonate, and maybe they don't reach out to begin with. So yeah. Right. All right. So now I always like to ask about a uh, one of the, one of the most important things that you've learned throughout your time in this industry in ownership. And I'm sure that there are thousands. Um, right. But what's one of the most important things that's really stuck out to you over the years in ownership? So I, I know I've been talking a lot philosophically, but but this one is, is actually a, a, a harder number, um, a harder financial thing. And I mean, early on, I would say somebody told me, listen, fixed costs kill small businesses. Um, and I have lived and died by that, right? So I would love to hire somebody to come in here weekly and clean the place. I would love to outsource a lot of, a lot of my stuff, but I don't because I'm terrified of those fixed costs. You know what I mean? So 
when, when you look at my cost structure, I obviously have a lease payment. I have, you know, I, I have a couple of software products that I use for, you know, billing and things like that. And I use a payroll company, everything else I try to do as much as humanly can as, as I personally can. Right. Um, because I'm, I'm afraid of taking on those fixed costs. And, you know, I'm sure your viewers understand the difference between fixed and variable costs. Um, but I mean, you know, fixed costs are just costs that you're going to pay no matter how much revenue you generate. So it's not dependent on that. Um, so to the point where, and I've never, through a little bit of luck, but I've never also had any long-term debt ever. Um, so when COVID came, um, and I had to shut down. It hurt, of course, right? We shut down for three months. But I remember thinking, I mean, I, if I need to sustain this for years, I could, right? Um, because <laughs> I, I did not owe anybody any money, right? I had a lease payment, right, with my, with my landlord, but I really didn't owe, I didn't have any loans, I didn't have any notes, I didn't have anything that I was responsible for. So I, I was like, I, I can really wait this out. Um, and I think if you looked around, I, you know, and, and not that I wanted anybody to go out of business. I'm, I am terribly sympathetic to, to the, to the gyms that did not do well during COVID. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think shutting down and going without revenue for three or four months is really hard when you have a lot of long-term debt. So, you know, I, I tell people when, when people say, Oh, you know, talk about the financial side of owning a business. I talk about fixed costs and trying to avoid long-term debt as, as the best you can, you know, and, um, you know, you never buy anything because you want it. You buy it because you need it, you know? Um, and, I, and I guess that's, that's probably served, served me most well in terms of being successfully financial here. Mm -hmm. It's like a boring finance 101, uh, <laughs> but, it's, but it's dead honest, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was gonna capitalize on one thing there. Not sure what it was now. Um, the the only thing that sticks out to me regarding the the fixed costs thing sure. is a lot of times gym owners don't look at time and money the same yeah. way yep. right it's yeah. like they would rather rather spend time than spend money but so, of those two resources there's only one we can't get back right for sure and so i've i have a funny story um but so uh, years ago, there was some tweet <laughs> of somebody that I follow and it said like, um, so like, I, like I know a guy who, and his father will drive 20 minutes to save $20 and my friend will spend $20 to save 20 minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and he's like, you know, neither one is wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. Neither one is right. Or neither one is wrong. But I think about that often um, yeah. because, because you're right. Um, you know, just because I'm saving a couple hundred dollars on cleaning the gym, um, that doesn't mean that there's not an hour a week where my family doesn't see me because, because I am cleaning the gym. So, so for sure, um, you're, you're absolutely right. And then furthermore, I would say, you know, and I'm sorry if it sounds so cliche, but I really measure my wealth in terms of health and time to myself, right? So, um, you know, recently it's been challenging because I've talked about the growth I've had, but, um, but I'm trying to be almost, uh, religiously rigid about not working certain times. Um, mm -hmm. you know, if you were to talk to my wife, she'd say that I'm way too available to my clients all the time, but, I, but I think, I, I think I do an okay job, you know, <laughs> um, 
but but yeah, I mean, I mean, there there are certain times where you just where you, where you have to walk away, and that's hard because I mean, to your earlier point, we didn't talk about this, but I mean, the, the weird thing about being here alone is the printer breaks, you're responsible for it. If somebody spills something on the floor, you're responsible. There, there is no, you know, in the corporate world, even even for those jobs that were very demanding, you could shut your laptop and you forgot about it till the next day, and that mm -hmm. is never ever true about owning your business. You're thinking about it constantly. It's always on your mind. It's omnipresent. It's sometimes suffocating. Um, so you're right. I mean, I, I don't want to say just because I save the money in these things that there is no other internal costs because because there is. Mm -hmm. um, but I would posit that <laughs> if you do owe somebody money, it's a lot easier to pay with your own time than money you don't necessarily have, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, as far as as far as uh, debt goes and avoiding debt, then right. yes. Right. Um, so at some point, on a, on a very reductive level, I I, th I think it's easier to to put to put forth your own time than your own money. But I but I definitely agree with you that that one's you know a time investment is not vapid. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and I'm more so referring to you know like spending time, like the the amount of gym owners that I speak to that spend time outside of their gym handing out flyers or going to community events or right. things of that nature that really don't generate anything or do anything for the business when they could be in their gym training a client on the floor getting a higher return on investment as right. far as that time goes right so that's something that i hear about very very often and i i try to kind of make them realize you know the the time and money difference you know sure. and and i just related to that if if somebody is giving you money already you really need to prioritize that person over somebody who might give you money right yes and i and i think i talk to people in all businesses where i think they forget that you know and they're so hyper focused on generating these new leads or whatever it's like but, but these people are paying you already right and you, you need to maximize their experience because mm -hmm. if you don't I, I i don't think you have a product you know um, right i i hate to sound so self-serving but i but I mean, outside of dumb luck, of which I've had a large amount, but, you know, I think the only reason that I have been successful in spite of not doing a lot of this marketing is I, I think I have a great product. I think I have a great service, you know, and yeah. um, after 12 years, I think it speaks for itself, but I don't think I would be, I don't think I'd be here if I didn't have that, you know, and um, again, I want to acknowledge the role of serendipity and luck because there's been plenty, um, but I, but I think, it, I think I have a great product, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. You should. Uh, yeah, right. You should have a great product and you should be confident in what it is that you're providing, you know, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. So hell yeah. Hell yeah. You yeah, have yeah. a good product. That's good. <laughs> All right. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Um, you will not be interested in my Twitter account because that's mostly about political uh, or, or math and science, which is, which is like my first love. Um, I have an Instagram page, right? I have a Facebook page that I do nothing with outside of take the feed from Instagram. Um, but I, I mean, I think my fitness page is just ATC fitness. <laughs> I think I, I could, <laughs> um, but that's also underwhelming. I post there once, you know, once a month. Um, and then I do really snarky stories that are usually funny. Um, but, uh, but my website is atcstrength.com, right? Um, and that gives a pretty, pretty good summary of the, you know, the way I define the tiers, the tiered structure that we talk about and sort of talk about how I might assimilate a, a client when they come in and some of the services that I offer. Um, also has some good pictures of the gym in case anybody's curious about the way I laid it out. Um, I have about 4,500 
square feet or so. Um, so yeah, not uh, so. I'd say my website's more interesting than my than my Instagram <laughs> posts. Cool. Um, all right. Awesome. So Leo from ATC Fitness in Hudson, Massachusetts. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been great having you on the show. Sure. Thank you for uh, for having me. Thanks so much. Absolutely. To all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we'll catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Hernandez. And joining us on the show today is a very special guest. It is the one and only Jonathan with Fire Fit. Jonathan, what is going on? How you doing, brother? Happy Friday. How you feeling, man? Feeling good, JJ, man. How are you feeling? Always good, brother. Always good. Every day is, in fact, a good day, and especially when it's Friday. Am I right? <laughs> 100%. Man. Oh, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Look, we're excited to have you on. And we're definitely ready to dive into the nitty gritty of fire fit. But first, what we want to do here, we want to give the viewers a little perspective, a little bit of an understanding. In your words, how would you describe fire fit and what you guys do? So fire fit is basically a private studio where we offer personal training and small group training. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Short and sweet, man. I love it. I love the word economy. That's it, man. So <laughs> let's dive into it. Let's have some fun. Um, yeah. We'll start with the bare bones basics here. How many members are you guys serving currently? Well, it, it really depends like on a weekly basis, but uh, because basically during the school year, I'm in charge of a, a soccer program. So basically how it works in Canada is we have uh, secondary one to secondary five it's a little bit different from uh, you guys in the u.s so equivalent to basically high school and uh each day i see about uh, a group of about 25 to 30 kids so if i include my uh my soccer program uh we're looking at about uh, two to three hundred people a week wow okay yeah that's awesome yeah. and so you know, for you, Jonathan, I mean, what's been the best method of getting new people through the door? Honestly, uh, getting people through the door, I would probably say the best way is through uh, like referrals. Like say someone comes in, has a really good training session, 
they'll be like, Hey, I think my cousin, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my brother, or my sister might enjoy this as well. <laughs> and I love, uh, it. I love it. Yeah. I would say like uh, 80% of people coming through the doors is always through referrals. You'll get the, uh, the occasional uh, Instagram, uh, let's say, inquiry once in a while. But I would say mostly uh, referrals, 80% and 20% social media. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And um, I mean, let's say, right, let's say leads, traffic, clients, all these things were, were unlimited here. I mean, hypothetically speaking, of course, I mean, how many more members can you guys even handle? <laughs> Well, to be, to be quite honest with you, like, uh, it's not like we're looking or need more clients, you know, group, uh, small groups that have like, let's say one to two people, you know, we can always try to get them a training partner because the way our, our business model works is the more people you are, the cheaper it gets. So it kind of encourages people to get a friend to come train with them so they can pay a little bit cheaper for their session. So they kind of do the recruiting a little bit by themselves for, for personal training. But I would say like each trainer here at the gym probably does over 40 hours a week. So are we necessarily looking to get more people like desperately? No, but uh, we can always, you know, if new people come in, we can always take them on, but we're not necessarily like looking for people, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. No, that makes sense. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, if you're at capacity, I mean, there's really nothing much more you can do. It's about, I guess at that point it's retaining, right? Cause everybody wants more and more and more, but if you can keep them longer, I think that's yeah, exactly. So retaining, or let's say, for example, I have a group of two people. Maybe if a new person comes along, I can always make them three or four, you know what I mean? Like make the yeah. groups a little bit bigger, but in terms of hours work, you know, like we're pretty much at capacity. I would say everyone's pretty much happy and working at least over 40 hours a week. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, having multiple coaches and, and having as many clients as you, you, do, you do have, I mean, I love asking this question, especially with, with a situation like this. I mean, how do you manage these metrics? How do you track where someone is like in terms of how long they've been with you? You know, if they're looking to join, cancel, whatever it may be, like, how do you track those things? Well, when I first started, uh, like, uh, my career, I guess I was offering packages of 10 sessions. Okay. So if you would buy, let's say 10 sessions in advance, it would guarantee me work for at least 10 hours. And I would pretty much track them on pen and paper. Really. I, I would print like some sort of sheet and I would like track every time they would come, I would like sign them off and have them sign off as well. And then at a point it started getting too overwhelming. I had like 40 sheets like in my binder and like keeping track and whatever. So now what, what I did is because I, I, I had people who have been with me for like, over a year or two years. Now I just make them pay per session. Every time they come, they just pay and that's Smart. a key transfer. Yeah. So I don't have to keep track of papers as much. As soon as the session is done, you know, just e transfer. And that's pretty much it right now. But when I first started, we offered uh, packages and we'd kind of keep track on the, on sheets and fill out the sheet, let the client sign after the session. Then that got too much. So basically now we just, at the end of every session, they just send a new transfer. I love that. I love that. That's yeah. Make it simple, right? I think simple, simple, easy, exactly. simple beats sexy, right? <laughs> I love exactly. the same. Sim oh. Simplicity works best. <laughs> That's it. Right. And so um, can I ask a little bit of a longer winded question here? Okay, Jonathan, but a good question in itself. I love asking this question because I think it's a good way to always know 
where you can improve and where you have improved. And even if you need to, or don't need to. So um, bear with me on this question. If you need me to repeat anything, by all means, just let me know, but I'll, I'll make sure I'm, I'm as specific as possible. So you understand. Um, it's just, again, a little, a little, a little wordy, but in the fitness and gym industry, it's about three pillars of business be used pretty predominantly. And that's going to be your lead generation, which is your marketing, right? Getting people through the door, your acquisition, which is getting somebody from interested to an actual paying client. And then you have your retention and ascension, which is keeping your clients longer, but getting them to stay with you longer. I'm sorry, get, keeping your clients longer, but getting them to buy more with you in that process. Um, so of those three here, Jonathan, where do you feel like you could improve the most? Um, honestly, I would probably say somewhere where we can improve on the most is probably our social media, I guess. Like basically trying to expand our social media. Like uh, in our city right now, I, I would say we're pretty much well established in our district. You know, like pretty much everyone knows about our gym. Uh, but I would say like uh, right now, our goal is we're five years in, you know, where we have our established clientele who comes in on a weekly basis. I think our next goal is to kind of grow a little bit more like, uh, you know, like provincial, like provincially, which is basically like a equivalent to your states. So I just kind of grow and expand beyond our district and our city and, and whatnot. That's, that's pretty much our next goal, you know, to develop yeah. the brand, I guess, uh, internationally, if you will. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's, that's super important. And so, um, and I appreciate the honesty and transparency. Let me say that first, Jonathan, I think, I think when you can put success to the side, it's still admit that you can still improve in certain places. I think that's a big eye opener for everybody. Right. And so, yeah. Uh, last two questions for you, Jonathan, my two favorite questions. Um, you know, what's the bigger picture for you long-term? What are you guys trying to accomplish? Um, like I said, like uh, right now, we're just trying to like grow our brand and become like a big player, I guess, in the fitness industry. Like uh, certain people that I've always like looked up to and aspired to kind of attain the same level as would be probably like, I don't know if you're familiar with Ben Bruno. Sounds very familiar. Yeah, he's like this big fitness trainer on Instagram out of LA. Then there's also John Chamberg. I don't know if you know John Chamberg. Ben Bruno sounds a lot more familiar. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's Ben Bruno, John Chamberg, Mike Boyle. I don't know if uh, oh Mike Boyle, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Ben Bruno came from Mike Boyle, and he ended up becoming his uh, star in the fitness industry. Now he's working out of LA, but originally from Boston, I think. And uh, yeah, just kind of grow on the same level as them. You know, uh, these are all people who have like uh, thousands of followers on Instagram and stuff. And like they have a voice in the industry. Obviously, they've been doing this for over 20 years, you know, so there's like levels to this and it takes time to it to attain each level. But for us right now, our goal is just to like grow Firefit the brand to like, like I said before, an international level or become like one of those big players, at least in our uh, in our domain of uh, functional training. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, I, I love that you have aspirations about people who have been, you know, successful and what they've done in the past too. So I think that's major, right? You have, you have a goal set of where you want to be. You're not just kind of aimlessly moving up, just do what uh, we exactly. do best. You know? yeah. And there's always more to get done. And so one last question for you here, Jonathan, my favorite question, by the way, and I'll tell you this, we had a guy a month ago who I asked him this question and he walked out for about 25 minutes because he really had to think about it and i was like 
Man, you got 10 more minutes. We got, we got to close it out, but uh, a strong question, a good question. And it always depends on, on, you know, how you started and all that stuff. So, you know, uh, Jonathan, if you can go back in time to when you first started your gym, sit yourself down with the knowledge, you know, now, and give yourself that one piece of advice you think you really needed to hear when you first started your gym. What would that advice uh, I would, be for you? I would say, uh, just be patient. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of people, I feel like, especially as they come in as trainers, like everyone has like such a big ego. Everyone thinks they know everything in fitness. I would say uh, my biggest piece of advice, especially to young and aspiring trainers or trainers who are just starting off is like, be a student of the game. You know, Don't act like you, you know everything. You know, be open to learning, be open to constructive criticism. You know, I'll give you an example for myself. Uh, I had uh, done a personal training course in Montreal, graduated, everything was good. I was working, I was also, I was working and doing about 40 hours a week, which is the equivalent to full-time here in Montreal. And uh, even though everything was going well, I decided to still challenge myself and do, do a course, which was in the States, CFSC. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It was created by Mike Boyle. So I did his course, two levels, level one, level two, and like, even though I didn't really learn anything new specifically in terms of like exercises or whatever, just like the structure and the confidence it gave me to like grow as a trainer. Like it, it was like, I, I can't even describe to you in words how like beneficial it was to myself, my confidence and my business. So for, if you're, yeah. a, if you're a young and up, upcoming trainer, I would say be patient, be a student of the game. You know what I mean? Don't be scared to learn. Don't be scared to do a lot of classes and certificates that interest you. There's always room to grow. And like, even if you do a course and you pick up one little tip that will, that will really help you, that little tip will go a long way for you long-term. And also uh, it takes time to grow your business. You know what I mean? Like uh, in year one, you know what I mean? The experience you have in year one, you can't compare to the experience you'll have in year five. The only way you can get there is just by going through the days and the months and the years. So it's be patient. Your experience will will help you long-term and be a student of the game. I would say are the two biggest things. I love that. I love that. Look, Jonathan, that was a mic drop of an answer and I'm not even going to say anything at this point. So the way to close it out here, it's a good place to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, Jonathan, you know, please shout out your Instagram, Facebook website, anything you may have, where can people find out more about you guys and the gym? Well, if you uh, want to follow me specifically in my, my personal journey, uh, I'm on Instagram at train.with.j. So train with J. That's my personal Instagram page. And uh, my studio's Instagram page is uh, at firefitmtl. So look us up. Feel free to follow us. I'll follow uh, any other trainer or anyone who's interested or whatever. I follow back. So don't be shy. There we go. Listen, uh, we absolutely appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast. We look forward to seeing what you can accomplish down the road, Jonathan. If you don't mind sticking around for two more seconds, just so I can let you know how you can get the podcast, I'd appreciate it. Just going to sign everybody else out over here, okay? Cool, man. Awesome, brother. And to everybody else who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit that like and subscribe button. And if you want to come and join us to talk about your fitness business, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, till next time, Jim Lords out. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.